Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. Well, the doctors are in, and I swear I'm going to get some cowbell to go with that theme stuff. (laughs) I'm going to bring the cowbell in. It needs more cowbell. I wish I had that option on it, but we don't need it. We have you. Well, we can, yeah, we can just, I'll I'll bring it in and I'll lay the the cowbell track on over the top (laughs) live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We have a guest in house. We have Dr. David Norcott from the Auburn Eye Care. I was going to say the Auburn Medical Group. That's where I'm from. From Auburn Eye Care. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Okay. Dr. Vaughn, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Dr. Norcutt's been with us uh, one other time. Actually, it wasn't all that long ago, really. Was three was, weekends ago. Yeah. And that was a great show. Uh, our subject was Herpes Zoster. That's Ophthalmicus. right. That's right. Some people mm-hmm. didn't even. Uh, almost didn't listen to it because the the title kind of threw them off. What what significance does that have to me? And then they heard it, and they all came to me the next day saying, "I'm getting that shot." Talking about the uh, Zostavax. Mm-hmm. So, so Doctor Norcott, obviously you didn't learn your lesson from last time, and you've returned. <laughs> so, what's your subject <laughs> what, what this week? Uh, we're going to do age related macular degeneration. Macular degeneration, or MACD for short. It sounds Mac like D. a rapper. MACD, the rapper, <laughs> or a place to eat, or a place yeah. or- Mm-hmm. <laughs> age-related macular degeneration this sounds like one of those things that creeps up on us whether unbidden whether we like it or not uh, not on everybody but uh suppose if we live long enough most of the people will have some sort of of, of macd or macular degeneration uh involvement okay so what is it oh do we want to jump into it that quickly well um I suppose you have some housekeeping to do. Well, we've, 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 that was the teaser. Here's the housekeeping. Okay. So this is, as the uh, promo says, the med- or whatever you call the recording, Medically Speaking Radio show and podcast. It is put out live for our live listeners, which we do have, actually. That's pretty good. So it is running out here live on April the 4th in the year of our Lord 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So what we'll do a little bit later is open up the phones for after Dr. Norcott's spoken about the subject a little bit. For our listeners to call in because we can give away a breakfast for two at Tofanelli's in Grass Valley worth $25. So if somebody is on our email list, which you have to go to the website to sign up for, they can be eligible for that if they call in and ask a question. And we say open up the phones. It's kind of an anachronism. We don't actually use the phone, do we? We use the Skype, which is really easy because if... You're listening live, which you have to, to call into the show. You just go over to the right side of that page on the, on the website, and there's a little circle with a blue S in it. And they can click on that if they already have Skype set up, and it will ring into the show live, and then they can ask their question. So if you're already listening to us live, you have conquered the technology. Yeah. You're already there. You've well, passed the test. I think they have to have a Skype set up on that computer or phone. Mm, okay, well, we'll find so out. So that, that's the, yeah, sometimes that's technology step. We also would like everybody to go ahead and sign up, even if they're not trying to get the breakfast, to sign up on the email newsletter on the right side of the page where you put in your first name and email address. You can ignore the rest. We just want to be able to send you an email that tells you what the subjects of the upcoming shows are. So you get an email every week telling you about that. And then when the show's actually posted, like on the podcast or on the iTunes, it also comes in. So that's two emails per week they're committing to. 
Well, it could be a two-way street. Could our listeners uh, and fans not just email us and say, hey, here's what I'd like to hear about. I would love for them to do that. They can do that by writing to mark at medicallyspeakingradio.com. They can also do it by going to the Facebook page, Medically Speaking Radio. They can hit my Twitter if they want. That's uh, Dr. Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, that's legal. That sounds like it's painful (laughs) to be hit in the Twitter. (laughs) Or or something. (laughs) There's also, um, oh yeah, I, we mentioned Facebook. People can talk to us there. And there's, there's actually a piece of information I want our listeners to give us this week. Please do this for us. Uh, if you are listening on a podcast, so you're not listening live right now as we're recording it, you probably listen to other podcasts. And we would like to know what other podcasts our listeners listen to. So please tell us, probably the Facebook would be the easiest place, but any of those other ways, any way you can get a hold of us, we'd be glad to hear what other podcasts our listeners listen to. We want to know more about our audience. We also want to let people know what's coming up. We have Dr. Brian Kim, the oncologist in town. He'll be with us next week. And then after that, we will have Dr. Binus, the psychiatrist, speaking on the subject of humility. He tells me that a lot of psychiatry up till now has been focused on building up people's self-esteem and that that may be kind of not hitting where the problem is, that maybe we need more humility to be healthy. <laughs> well, would that be uh, Gunnery Sergeant Lee Ermey as the uh, as a psychologist? Wouldn't that be great? Suck it up, you jack wagon. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Dr. Hill coming back. Uh, very popular show, Dr. Hill. It was our first live show when we came back. Uh, he'll also be coming back speaking about colon cancer screening. And then we want people, of course, to tell their friends. So where we left off, you guys were talking about age-related macular degeneration. A.K.A. Mac D, the famous rapper. Mac D and, and his posse. We should have made up a, a rap to go with it, too. To you don't have to make thing. them up. They do them spontaneously. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I lack rhythm. <laughs> Go for it, Mark. I'm not doing this. Go, go, okay. No, let's not uh, let's not be undignified any further. Let's. We have a distinguished guest here, and he's going to explain Larry's musical commentary. Yeah. Um, what it is, who gets it, and how it happens. Macular degeneration. Uh, Macular degeneration is a deterioration or a degeneration of a small area in the back of the eye called the macula. The macula is just a a part of the retina and for those just like a quick anatomy uh the retina is the back of the eye so all the light that comes into the eye will focus on the retina is that like the 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 projector screen yes so the screen is picking up the light then that information is sent to the brain where actually you see there's a small part called the macula and this has uh about 1.75 million cells in this area about the tip of a of a ballpoint pen so it's a lot of energy is being carried on in that in that in that small small area, um, and that's the part that that can be damaged from various various sources, various reasons. So it's got a lot of cells. I, I imagine that means we can uh, afford to lose a few. We can't afford to lose a few, and we we do do the natural age related process. But macular degeneration is a speeding up of that process, uh, and so you it's a, as, a, as the name implies degeneration. It's a degenerative process that. Most people will get in their lifetime if we live long enough, and and that's one of the chief risk factors is uh, is living long enough. Years ago, 
um, you didn't really have that much macular degeneration because we didn't have people in the 80s and we didn't have people in the 90s. Now we have lots of people in the 80s and lots of people in the 90s. So what happens when that part begins to degenerate? Do we, what, what happens to our vision? Uh, it, it affects only your central vision, so your peripheral vision is unaffected. So even if you do have severe macular degeneration, you will go centrally blind, but you still will have movement and color, and you'll also have some sort of vision out of your periphery. So it's like the opposite of tunnel vision. You've got, a, you've got something blocking the, the dead center of your... I guess if you were watching your TV screen and, and drew a big black circle in the middle of your TV screen. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, that's what, you know, if, you, if you closed one eye and you had macular degeneration in one eye and you looked at a face, you may not see the nose and the eyes, but you'd see the ears and maybe the chin. So you do lose that central when it's poor enough. What's interesting is that there are a lot of people who have experienced this without macular degeneration. People with the so-called ocular migraine know exactly what he's describing. Oh, the the uh, once they get the migraine, they it, it's a temporary effect. It's a visual aura that kind of precedes a migraine in many cases, yeah. or maybe the whole migraine itself without a headache. Yes, uh, ophthalmic migraine for some people. The world goes black. No, no. <clears throat> for example, watching television, you're yeah. following the actor, and all of a sudden you notice you cannot see their face if you're looking right at it. But if you look at the other person on the screen, you can see the face in your peripheral vision. What if you're watching Batman? Of course you can't see his face. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> but fortunately for ocular migraines, that's usually a temporary and it comes back within typically 15, 20 minutes. Uh, whereas macular degeneration isn't an episodic, it's a Permanent. disease process that unfortunately uh, will get worse over time no matter what you do. But there are some things that we can talk about later to help prevent it and slow the process down. Well, how, so people... How is it diagnosed other than somebody suddenly saying to themselves, wow, I can't see people's faces. Not suddenly. Um, Or gradually or however it it works. Usually it's a gradual process. It's usually detected before patient will actually notice it. If if the patient is going in for semi-regular eye exams as we get older, usually the optometrist or ophthalmologist can detect early subtle macular degeneration that hasn't even affected the patient's vision yet. And that's the time that you want to intervene to help slow the process down. Is that part of the normal annual eye exam? That's thing? part of the normal dilated annual eye exam that uh, optometrists and ophthalmologists do. Okay, so they check for that normally. Yes. And then they'll, and hopefully let you know if yes. you're at yes, risk. Ab- yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So how do you slow it down? If, you, if, you, if you've detected it in a patient, then what, what do you prescribe? Um, well, let's first talk about, maybe talk about risk factors, okay? okay? So we talked about age already as a risk factor. Second risk factor would be smoking. So the, the number one thing is, you know, stop smoking. And third is cardiovascular disease, uh, which goes hand in hand with the smoking process, obesity, family history. Is it so circulatory? It, it has a circulatory component. Just about everything in your body has a circulatory component one way or the other. So anything that compromises your vascular system, high blood pressure, diabetes, those are two main ones, uh, will affect just about everything in your body, including macular degeneration. Again, we keep coming back to obesity. You think we're in Auburn. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, and, and we're going to come back to diet and exercise, aren't we? I mean, doesn't that, isn't that always we'll what it actually come back to diet exercise. Uh, uh, and that's part of the prevention that when you first see somebody that has macular degeneration, and it starts out very subtle. Uh, when you look in the eye, um, it's, there's this little white dots called drusen. 
Druzin is just a buildup of what's called, um, don't want to be too technical, but oxidative material. And that's when you want to start using the prevention about right. losing weight, it's about rust. exercising, uh, about taking care of it, and about eating better, and maybe about supplementation with vitamins and um, certain um, things called lutein and zeaxanthin found in green and, and yellow vegetables. Are, is there a specific product that you recommend that people could get from Amazon that would be good for this? And we could put a link on the show notes for this so they could go straight to it. That's a, There's not a specific. There's, there's, there was a, two large studies that were sponsored by uh, vitamins made by Bosch and Lomb. One study was called the AREDS, and the one, other one's called AREDS 2, and it's an age-related eye disease study. And then there was, uh, it was a 10-year study, and then it was followed up by another 10-year study called AREDS 2. Uh, they really, the first one was vitamin C, uh, vitamin E, vitamin D, um, and zinc, and beta-carotene. The second one eliminated the beta-carotene because too much beta-carotene in people who smoke can lead to lung cancer. So they took that out, hmm. substituted omega-3s, and added what's called lutein and zeaxanthin. And they really found out that with the additional lutein and zeaxanthin with some other studies, it does slow down the process of macular degeneration once you have it. So as far as a specific product, um, there's lots of different manufacturers. We use a product in our office made by Science-Based Health. Um, it's a full line of multivitamin with extra lutein, zeaxanthin, and other antioxidants. There's lots of those, Amway, uh, Preservision, Occuvite, ICAP. So those are some name brands that you could find at CVS and Walgreens. Does this lead back to what our parents always told us about eating carrots? Carrots are good for your vision. Is that, so that's legit. That, that's legit. It was from the vitamin A component, carrots. Uh, we get a lot of vitamin A through us. Uh, almost everything has actually vitamin A in it, even crackers and things like that. So it can't hurt. But eating greens, I think, would be even more important. The, the zucchinis, the kale, the things with dark green that's where you get your lutein and your other bioflavonoids that really, really help in prevention of macular degeneration. So the Bausch & Lomb product was one of them that was actually tested Correct. and found to help for slowing the progression? Correct. Along with a multivitamin. So uh, that's one thing. When you take these supplements, the test was done along with the multivitamin. These were a supplement to the multivitamin. Okay. So... Yeah, there's lots of different products out there. When you talk to your physician, doctor, ophthalmologist, or optometrist, they can recommend certain ones. We all have kind of a, we all have a little different bend on how do you read the studies. Some people are more um, supplemental driven than others aren't as supplemental driven. But the the studies show that there is a way to slow the process down statistically. That doesn't mean it's going to happen on everybody, but statistically, it can slow it down. To your knowledge, were the studies on general population? or specifically on people that already had the process? They already had the process. So there is no study on prevention that have taken people that have not had macular degeneration. Those studies are long-term, they're expensive, and because there is no drug involved, there's no drug company supporting that study, the NIH would have to do it, and that'd be a 10, 15-year study, multi-multi-billion, million-dollar study. It'll probably never be done. Given the degree of improvement you guys see with the vitamin supplementation in somebody who has macular degeneration, do you expect that they'll be able to show benefit in giving it to the general population, or would the difference be so small because of the low incidence of it? Um, I tend to think in the preventative 
mode that when I see somebody with a family history, because there is a family history, uh, a link, genetic link, that I tend to talk about supplementation with lutein, xanthan, and a multivitamin. Okay. Uh, again, I can't, I don't have a study to back that up. But that's not the general population. That's family history. That's family history. General, general population. Okay. There's actually some um, um, genetic tests now that oh. can show um, if you have a, a, a higher risk to develop macular degeneration. So you could actually counsel these people if you have a certain outcome on this genetic test called macular risk is one of the tests. Um, uh, um, then you could say, well, no, you don't need any supplementation. Where someone who maybe have a, uh, has a, have a different gene genotype, they may want to start the supplementation uh, based upon that information. We're talking you, with Dr. David Norcott here. I was going to ask him if, if environmental factors uh, affect macular degeneration, like prolonged exposure to sunlight. You know, people who work outdoors and don't wear you know, shades. Yes, uh, ultraviolet light. Um, is definitely a risk factor. In fact, Caucasians get macular degeneration. Our fundus, our retinas are lighter. We don't have as much pigment to um, absorb the UV light uh, from a, uh, uh, when compared to, say, an Asian or a black individual. So instead of being Caucasian, especially being light skin, like a northern, uh, like a Norwegian type of, uh, of background, actually has a, has a risk factor for developing macular degeneration. So the the pigment challenge folks are the ones at high risk. So there, there, there is an element of, of prevention there. Just wear some decent, uh, yeah. yeah. Sunglasses with yeah. ultraviolet light protection. Yeah. Absolutely. When it comes to prevention, you were talking about the diet and the exercise mm-hmm. and avoiding smoking, all these things that we keep saying, I would like to point out that the people who study this the most and work with it and see the effects of it, your optometrist and your, your general physician, who are speaking to you right now. Let's see. You, you're dressed because you're riding your bicycle. Correct. How many miles today? I uh, did 17 miles so far. 17 miles. 17 miles is what I ran in the last two days. Uh, and what are we seeing here? We're seeing a pattern of the people who see the effects the most are going out and being physically active because it's getting through to them. The rest of the people who don't see that, please take this as a cue for you if you're not actively engaged in physical activity throughout the week. Maybe you should. That goes back to the obesity. Obesity is a risk factor for macular degeneration, but obesity is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease, um, strokes, cancer, I don't know. I don't, can you speak to that? or uh, Some, yeah. Okay. So uh, It's not as hard as the heart disease uh, and, and diabetes, but yeah, there's some. It's just getting out there and walking three to four days a week, 25, 30 minutes of a brisk walk. It's not out there riding 17 miles or running 17 miles, but it's just getting out there and doing some form of exercise three to five days a week. Absolutely. And before you ask your question, Larry, I'd like to also open up to the callers now since we're started and we've laid down some of the base information. So callers can go ahead and Skype in at any time if you have a question for Dr. Norcott or, or for Larry or myself. Yeah, I was going to ask about the the prevalence. Just in, so in your practice, I know this is uh, anecdotal, but of the number of patients that you see, how prevalent is uh, some form of macular degeneration? Over sixty five, very prevalent. There's one point seven five million people that have macular degeneration as we speak, and there'll be 
3 million ads of the year 2020. So it's very prevalent. Auburn being a slightly older demographic, I probably see macular degeneration at least three to five times a day and sometimes more of depending upon how that day flows with with the age of the patient of that day so okay, it's so extremely this, prevalent not some this rare is not thing. a rare disease at all so i it, it it i'm still not getting preventative though other than i'm wearing sunglasses maybe taking my maybe taking my supplements but that that only helps if you've already got it that studies so well we don't know that that no yeah. one no one can answer that question so I, I kind of tend to work backwards on that. Again, I don't have a study to prove it, but if it is, it, if it is able to treat something, then I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm. This is me talking. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a preventative mode to this. And if you add the other things, like the sunglasses, like in, increased cardiovascular uh, strength, losing weight, then those things can be very, very preventative. Whereas wearing sunglasses. Hey, we actually have a call. Oh, you're going to have to answer. So we're going to answer. Hello, listener. You are Hi on there. Medically Speaking Radio with Dr. Norcott. Where are you calling Hi. from? I am calling from Auburn. What is your name? Leanne. Oh, okay. Leanne, what is your question? Um, well, kind of getting, Larry keeps um, bringing up the wearing sunglasses and, you know, I, I try to stay healthy, you know, eat healthy, exercise, things like that. But I tend to buy really cheap sunglasses, you know, at Target or, you know, Kmart. You've been listening to ZZ Top. Just because I lose them a lot. And I know that they need to be like UVA, UVB. Um, is there a difference between buying cheap sunglasses at Target or buying, you know, Ray-Bans or something like that that are more expensive that I'm going to sit on and lose um, just as, as well as I will the cheap sunglasses? As long as they have the UV sticker, uh, I would anticipate that they have the UV protection. Now, some of the cheaper sunglasses are going to have distortion in them. And so a lot of people don't like the clarity through cheaper sunglasses, but that's not going to hurt your eyes. As long as they have the ultraviolet light protection and most anything over $15 is going to have the UV protection. I mean, almost everything is put in UV protection now. I mean, if you go to the Dollar Store, that might be suspect. But if you stay in that $15, $20 range, you probably will get the UV protection. You'll get some distortion in the lenses, but again, you'll still get the UV protection. So you don't have to spend two hundred bucks. Okay. You don't, but so you get you, when, you, when, you, when you do have yeah, they usually have that little sticker with the the line through it. Okay. And I would anticipate that somebody at Quality Assurance for that company is putting the UV protection in there. Okay. So, okay. All right. Good. Either that, or there's a clerk running through the store with a roll of those little stickers and just <laughs> sticking them on. Put it on everything, <laughs> clothing. And- yeah. Well, most a lot of clothing now. Actually, you go to REI and you'll see the SPF factor on, on certain clothing. Yeah. So it has the same thing for skin cancer, melanomas, and basal yeah. cell carcinomas. So every, a lot of UV is uh, protection is important, not on the eyes, but on the skin. Okay. Is there anything else you have, Leanne? Um, no, I was just wondering about the sunglasses. Okay. Thanks for calling. Okay. Thank Thanks. you. We got a caller. Woohoo! Yay! <clears throat> or do I take these off? Yeah, you can take, yeah, you can take <laughs> headphones off. You don't have to listen to <clears throat> headphones. Slight delay. Yeah. I just have to be aware of people calling in. And if there are other callers, please go ahead and call in uh, by Skyping to uh, the show using that little button on the right side of the screen. 
let's talk about the different types of macular degeneration. Uh, there, there's two main types. There's what's called dry macular degeneration, and that's the type that 90% of the people will have. That's the thinning out and eroding of the area called the macula. It's usually a slow process. It sometimes can stabilize where you don't lose your central eyesight. There's the other type that affects 10% of us, that is the wet macular degeneration. And what the wet form means is there's blood vessels that actually go to repair the dry form. These are new and fragile. They will break and bleed, and that's the wet form. That is a devastating part um, of your vision. That can be treated, though, with injections in the eye. So about six years ago, there was um, a company called Genentech that uh, uses a chemotherapy for lung cancer. A, they found it that actually stops blood vessel growth to cancer. It will also stop blood vessel growth into the macula uh, area. But you've already had some damage that occurred. So the idea is to try to prevent it from getting wet. But with, when you do have wet, there is a treatment now to, to, to stop the process. Unfortunately, you may have to have injections uh, every month or every other month for the rest of your life. Wow. So I'm, it, I'm just wondering... Yeah. And you, the, the, the idea of having an injection in the eyeball kind of creeps me out. It gives you the willies. But believe it or not, the patients who've had 30, 40 injections, they hardly complain about it. I'll have a patient maybe say something like, um, yeah, that was uncomfortable. But most patients don't complain of being uncomfortable, believe it or not. But thinking about it does, you know, send shivers down to your toes. Absolutely. I'm assuming you use uh, an ocular uh, anesthetic. Yeah, use a lidocaine. Okay. Yes. So yes, it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. Uh, but but that's been a revolutionary uh, treatment. Before that, they used a laser that stopped the blood vessel growth. But unfortunately, the laser also obliterated the tissue mm. that you were trying to save. Yeah. So it was not an excellent way of treating it. So the injections, um, and every couple of years now, there's there's a, a new one called ILEA. There's another one um, that's that's being marked uh, soon to be marketed now. So Things will come a long way, and sooner or later, there'll be a probably injection. Maybe you only get th every three months or every six months down the road. That would be much better this monthly or every six or eight weeks injections. And that doesn't help at all for the dry macular no. It just keeps it from getting worse from this new blood vessel growth. That is correct. But if the blood vessels could grow without bleeding, could they actually repair? Um... That's a good question. Um, think of the, the physiology. If you have the blood vessel growth in that area, it's still going to cause the tissue to be altered somehow. So you'd still have a distortion. You may not lose your vision, but it, it would be a dis more of a distorted vision because you would lose its normal anatomy of the mm -hmm. eye. Remember, this is a very, very small area, very small area. So it doesn't take much to destroy or change that anatomy. And so if you're looking at a... Um, uh, a line on a, on a desk, you have a, a dip in it or a distorted or, or something like that. Even if the new blood vessels didn't break, they would certainly cause some distortion. Okay. We're going to take a little break here to listen to a message from our sponsor, Auburn Oaks Care Center. Auburn Oaks Skilled Nursing Center on Bell Road is a team of physicians, nurse practitioners, nurses, and rehabilitation therapists who are there during an extraordinary time in your life. We provide the necessary essentials you need to weather through the storm. Call us. The first thing we'll do is listen. 
Then you'll get expert advice on what to expect. You'll know that Auburn Oaks is the best skilled nursing care center when you learn more about us. Make the decision and go to auburnoakscarecenter.com. So what I was going to ask, Doc, was what happens if despite your best clinical efforts, the macular degeneration in the patient doesn't improve? What's, what's the ultimate end of this? Well, the ultimate end is you will lose your central vision. Okay. Uh, from that point on, then the reading ability, uh, ability to drive, um, those things. And the, the, you know, people, the reading ability is so important as we get older. That's what, if, if, you, if you ask, there's Psychology Today magazine asks, I don't know, every 10 years. Of, they, it's, it's, the question is framed, if you had cancer, lose your sight, lose your hearing, lose your sense of smell, taste, the number one fear of patients is losing their eyesight. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to, but then you you can still get around because you still have your peripheral vision, but the ability to read. Now, luckily with the iPads and, and e-readers, it's been a wonderful tool because you can increase that font. So you can keep these people reading a lot longer than you did just five years ago because of, because of Apple. Um, it's been amazing on how they actually gravitated towards that without even optometry or ophthalmology pushing that direction. Beforehand, there was these uh, computers that you could increase the font and they were $3,000. Well, now on an iPad or a, or a Kindle uh, for $199, you can really get, and these people can continue reading and you can download the Bible. You can download just about any book you want. So they may not be able to read as fast. And then there's low vision aids and devices, which will help you to you know, write checks, uh, uh, balance your checkbook, uh, those sort of things too, but you you will the end point to this disease is losing your central sight. Okay, so it's not total blindness, but exactly significant impairment. It, it's it's significant impairment. Yes. So and so you know we try to focus on the preventative part, and which we've which we've talked about um, already, and that's where in my practice I I really do stress the the prevention. As soon as I see any type of dry macular degeneration, we talk about nutrition. And nutrition is, I think we did ourselves a disservice back in the 60s and 70s when, I mean, who didn't eat canned corn, canned peas, canned fruit cocktail? <laughs> oh, I, I believe except for getting your, you know, five, 500% of extra sodium, yeah, I don't right. know if there was any, any, at, any benefit at all from eating canned products. Once they're heated that high, there's very, very, very little nutritional value until the hippies came along and said, Hey, maybe that's not good. Yeah, we thought we were eating vegetables, yeah. but we yeah. weren't. So I, I mean, my counseling will will start. You know, you've got to increase your your vegetable and salad intake, which Americans get usually one vegetable a day. I think wow. the um, uh, well, you don't get a vegetable at breakfast. Probably not a vegetable at lunch. Salsa maybe. is a vegetable. Yeah, so salsa is good. <laughs> um, isn't coffee a vegetable? <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a vegetable product. <laughs> um, dinner time. Maybe a salad or a, or a green thing. So you have to really try to increase that. Again, the prevention is increasing that green to two or three times a day. Three would be great along yeah. with another fruit. Yes. Um, and then, of course, common sense. Um, just having a moderately low-fat diet. Um, and then it goes along with the exercise. But then that's good for everything, not just the macula. The macula is just part of the whole body. That's good for everything. Speaking of uh, diet and exercise, we actually just released our little YouTube video series at Auburn Medical Group, and people want to see that 
all they have to do is go to the Auburn Medical Group website and go to the blog and they can see the post with all of the videos in a row or you can click at the end of it if you're on a computer to watch the particular version of or a part, portion of it that you want to see. Now, I wanted to mention the vitamins you mentioned. Yes. The Kindle you mentioned. We're actually going to have a link to those on Amazon. If people use our link on Medically Speaking Radio, we actually get a 4% commission off of it. So we'd appreciate oh, don't that. tell people that. Well, I want them to know this way they can help out the show. Okay. If they enjoy the show, they can right. get it through there rather than going straight to Amazon. They'll love to do that for us. Okay. Good. <laughs> so if you're going to buy your Kindle, buy it, buy it from Amazon through us. Through us. Yeah. There'll, there'll yeah. be a little link in the show notes for this show that they can click on. We'll have the vitamins also. Mm-hmm. And there was one other thing I was going to say. What was it? The Kindle, right? The Kindle. Okay. The Kindle yeah. was the extra thing. Yeah. So I was going to ask Dr. Norcott, if, if, if we've exhausted our, our discussion of macular degeneration or no other callers call in, the kind of stuff that keeps me awake at night, I've, I was wondering, what did people do in ancient times before the invention of, of eyewear, of, of, of refractive, you know, before, before glasses were invented? I, I did a little Googling around and found out that glasses weren't invented until like the late 1200s, early 1300s. I mean, I guess there were some crude forms of them, but, but eyeglasses as we know them. So did people just have better vision then? Are we a weaker society I think we're, well, we're a more demanding society. We're also an older society. Um, Remember, we did not read as a society until 14, 1500s. We had the the priest read to us, but, you Mm -hmm. know, it it wasn't common to to be literate uh, before 15, 1600. Also, our, our life expectancy, a male life expectancy back in the Middle Ages were probably mid to late 40s. I'd say if you're in the 50s, that would be a very elderly person. You didn't have computers. If you didn't have to read and you had decent eyesight in the distance, back before that, if you're uh, in, in the hunter-gatherer mode, say uh, from the savannah, you were, that, your genes were taken out of the gene pool pretty rapidly by something, either by a snake, a lion, something that wanted to eat you or kill you. Yeah, if you didn't see it coming. So, so now our genes stay in the gene pool. So if uh, uh, in China and Japan, I think 90% of the population is nearsighted. Um, it's, I don't know if you call it an epidemic, but it's it's an epidemic. Wow. I mean, and then in our uh, United States? Our, our United States is not as high. It's more in the, the 40, 50% range. Oh, uh, my but goodness. It's, it's Even probably, that, probably getting higher. I, I, I would expect that that was a low number because just uh, anecdotally, I, I'm thinking of all the people that I know, I know very few people that don't wear some form of corrective lens. But some of them may not be for distance. Some of them could be just for, oh, as yeah, you true. reach 42 to 46, you need reading glasses. And that's the normal, perfect vision is never having to wear glasses far away, ever, ever. Somewhere between about 42, 46, you, you start to need the, the up-close vision. So you need a, a help, and that's where the magnifying lenses come into play at that point. Your question reminds me of the movie Gattaca. How so? Uh, it's been years. I watched it when it came out, but it had to do with somebody having good vision and somebody not naturally having good vision in the future when they can correct such things. We'll have to have a listener call in and yeah, explain it to a, us. No, <laughs> please do. That's what that's what I miss because the the, the it, did you see an obscure it? reference? No. Oh, okay. No, I, I didn't see, see Gatka. I've never heard of Gatka. Gatica, yeah. Oh, Gatica. Ethan Hawke, I believe, started it. It oh, was so, so it wasn't that long ago. Oh, this would have been like early nineties. Okay. This was sci-fi kind Mid-90s. of. Mid nineties. 
sci-fi yeah. fantasy yeah, futuristic sci-fi yeah you yeah. might want to watch it it was you know, an but, interesting you movie. know but now we have lasik too so yes um you know that's off the subject but you can correct a lot of distance anomalies with with laser vision correction that's been around uh in the united states since 1997 and up in canada and other places since the late 80s um, that's a very prevalent and you know most people know that that exists out there and it's, yeah. it's a it's a safe procedure to do which may actually be the subject of a future show. It may. The lazy it may. It's a little segue here. <laughs> if we can get Dr. Norcott to join us again because he's oh. graciously done it. Thank you for joining us. Was there any uh, last point on the... Oh, we will also have a link to Auburn Eye Care in the post for this show. If people okay. want to reach your office or, Thank or you. learn more about you, they'll have that there. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, my, my parting is uh, uh, just uh, prevention. We have control over, over a lot of our diseases, including this, and we, we kind of beat this up a little bit, but you know, get out there and exercise, eat, eat properly, don't smoke, wear sunglasses. So that's, that's we're going to see shot. you on your bicycle, blowing down the road, wearing your Oakley sunglasses, <laughs> biting a head of cabbage as you go. As you go. Uh, yeah, eating greens as I go. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> Raw so, cabbage. You see that? Just, just don't, Norcott. just don't hit me, okay? I have blinky light. Don't hit me, please. <laughs> blinky light. You know, they have blinky light. You know, I don't travel in packs either. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the pack. Yeah, that I'm would a be horrible. Guy. I prefer a riding. Horrible along, irony yeah. is to be hit by an elderly driver with macular degeneration <laughs> as you're leaving. Here. <laughs> well, the, the the prevalence of that probably is pretty high. <laughs> oh boy, uh-uh. working the probabilities. Yes. Thank you for joining us on Medically Speaking Radio this April morning. We hope you have a wonderful. Easter and Passover and next week Easter for our Orthodox friends. And we'll have you come back and join us next week on April 11th, I believe it should be, for a talk with hematologist-oncologist Dr. Brian Kim. Until then, this is Dr. Norcott, Larry Finney, and Dr. Mark Vaughn telling all of you to stay in good health. Here is my cowbell.